Good day, I'm Anne Dolinchik and you're listening to Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. In this episode, we're in conversation with Ria Agrol, the Managing Director of Agency A, a London-based creative digital marketing agency. Starting a successful blog and Instagram account at university, she fell in love with marketing and influencer marketing. One of her favorite things is when a creative campaign comes together and witnessing her team energize each other to do their best work. Grab a coffee and listen as we discuss influence marketing versus ambassador programs, whether an ambassador program is right for every brand, and influence marketing in the time of a pandemic. If you enjoy this podcast, you will also enjoy our fortnightly newsletter that keeps you up to date with influencer news from around the world. Subscribe at the link in the show notes. This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salt have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influencers. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Good afternoon, Ria. Thank you so much for making time to be on the podcast today. Will you please tell our listeners more a bit about yourself and how you actually got into the industry? Thank you for having me. By means of a whistle-stop tour, I initially moved to London as a student going to university, and I wanted to set up a London blog and an Instagram account to document student-friendly, you know, food, drink and experiences in London. I called it the London Degree And that was, um, I guess, my first experience firsthand in influencer marketing. I grew the account to circa kind of 8,000 followers. And I loved going to new and exciting restaurants, bars, um, events to document what what was available for people to do. And I met a lot of interesting people along the way who were equally starting to do a similar kind of thing. Uh, And from there, I then started working as a marketing exec for an agency and was working brand side. So I had the experience both kind of, I guess I wouldn't even call it an influencer account, but, you know, working with brands from that perspective and then also at work sourcing influencers for exciting campaigns. And then uh, about this time last year, actually, I was running a company, kind of it was badly hit by the pandemic. And so myself and a business partner packaged it all up and rebranded and kickstarted Agency A, which I now co-own and run day-to-day as the CEO. We are a digital marketing agency supporting our clients with creative content, social media marketing, paid media, influencer marketing, and digital newsletters. And we've just started to roll out a consultancy and training side of the business, which is fun so far. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of where we are now. That's absolutely amazing, especially how you've grown your business within a year and a year within a pandemic. (laughs) Thank you. It's been a a really rewarding challenge definitely not not been easy but I think the hardest thing is just not being with people it's lovely now to be in, a, in the same space and kind of think about moving forward in a positive way oh wonderful so Ria obviously we're all still in the pandemic it's been going on for what about 15 months or so yeah. so in your opinion what were the biggest shifts that you saw in specifically influencer marketing in the industry as a whole since we went into lockdowns and the pandemic has been around. Yeah, it's a good good first question, actually. I was doing some research yesterday. I guess it really starts with the overall shift for everyone. So I guess 
the shift in influence marketing is directly correlated to the impact that the pandemic had on brands. You know, as a result of the pandemic, now that we can look back and reflect and, um, you know, we've seen that global social media users have grown. I think the latest stat was that there's circa 3.8 billion active users and that's only set to increase. And people spend, I think it is over two hours on average per day on social channels, which sounds a bit mental if you think about it. Um, but I guess day to day, we do. We're on our phones all the time. We're connecting with people, X, Y, Z. But I guess at first glance, you think, OK, well, there's more people online. You know, so there's a, a massive opportunity for the pandemic and the amount of people online to you know, create an, a brilliant opportunity for influencers to, you know, to grow and, and grow their work. But I guess it wasn't really so simple. And I know we all hate that phrase unprecedented, but there's really no other word for it. We've never experienced anything like this. And I guess in a, in a totally like kind of normal scenario, the, the growth in people online should correlate to a growth in influencer activity. But as we know, you know, last year, brands had to adapt and equally influencers did too. And very quickly, I was reading a an article by Hype Auditor who kind of chunked up the pandemic in three phases, which I thought was quite interesting. So, you know, stage one was the initial shock hysteria um, where brands and influencers had to think about how they responded to the pandemic. You know, there was a risk of really crappy communication or being insensitive, you know, and then also an initial cut in advertising spend. And then stage two was, you know, looking at normalization or I guess the new normal, which I think is where we saw an opportunity for, for influencers and particularly ambassadors as brands wanted to relate more to the situation that was happening, create collateral um, and campaigns that were really in keeping with what we were all experiencing. And that was, you know, from my perspective, where, you know, influencers were in an incredible way to do that because, you know, humans interact with humans. And, that, and that's a really strategic way to, to share messaging. And then the third stage uh, was kind of now and moving forward, you know, where we're shifting out of the pandemic and into this new normal or back to reality, brands are adopting new ways of communicating, but it's still really reflective of the, the kind of experience that we're living in. And equally here, I still think there is an opportunity for influencer marketing to grow. No, absolutely. And, and I 100% agree with you that relatability started coming through and more and more influencer work and brands wanted that more instead of that really glossy curated content type thing, which is wonderful. And I do think that's probably going to stay. It just kind of humanized brands more and more. Yeah, definitely. I think that I was reading an article on LinkedIn about human to human marketing. And I think that's what influencer marketing is when it's done, <laughs> is when it's done well. And especially um, during the pandemic, there's been a real need for sensitive and conscious content. And that's been kind of one of the biggest changes that I think we've seen in the last year and particularly, you know, with influencers supporting that. Do you think it's here to stay? Definitely. I think the um, diversification of content is here to stay. So, you know, creating content that's less aspirational, a bit more relatable and equally kind of humility and accountability is for sure here to stay, you know, where brands are more selective about people they want to work with. Influencers are equally so because audiences are just more sensitive about the content they're consuming. And so most definitely, I think moving forward, these things are here to stay. Yeah, and I hope we're both right because I also think so. But we'll see. Only time will tell. <laughs> exactly.
So Ria, when we speak about the pandemic and we you've also said earlier that people were flocking more and more towards social media. We have more people on social media also from different age ranges these days going up to, you know, your pensioners even flock to social media during the pandemic just to find that connection and community. And that's completely normal. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is the biggest challenges brands are facing today when they're trying to communicate with their customers, especially on social media. The first challenge being authenticity, striking a balance between whether to lead a conversation, to join a conversation, or as one of the one of my team mentioned yesterday, also understanding when to just leave it alone, you know, and being authentic to, to what the brand is and, and, and their ethos and values. The second challenge I think is most definitely originality. As we've just said, with increasing number of active users on social media, increasingly, you know, brands are upping their game. And so it's increasingly competitive. And the third challenge we discussed as a team actually yesterday is, I guess, on a practical level, understanding or aligning all stakeholders within a business, within a brand, on the purpose and value of social media. Because I think it's it's an accessible channel. Anyone can log in. And we all have, in that, in that way, we all have an opinion. The thematic challenges of, you know, ensuring you're authentic, ensuring you're original, but on a practical level, ensuring that all of the stakeholders within a brand are aligned on what the strategy is. It's, it's just so easy to get caught up in all the different functionalities, all the different opportunities that the platforms allow. It's equally easy to compare yourself to other people, you know, in real time. So I think having a clear structured and aligned vision is really important and I guess when you think about it you're like okay well you know it's a challenge to always created but I think the practical challenge is understanding where to divert your time and how to do it well. No absolutely and I think it is so important what you said like have a clear communication strategy and make sure everyone is on the same page. So when we speak about social media platforms there are so many and there's new ones that spring up all the time. Obviously we have Oh, you know, the big ones, your Facebooks, your Instagrams, your Twitters, your mm. TikToks. But you and I know there's like millions of them. There's literally a platform for every genre of every industry. It's actually amazing. Yeah. So what is your advice to brands when they need to choose platforms, especially when they're looking at running influencer campaigns? How do they choose? Where do they go? I think you just need to understand, first and foremost, who are you trying to reach? What's your target demographic? What does your ideal customer look like? And then once you have that nailed down, you can then define your objectives. You know, what would you like to achieve? Is it brand awareness? Is it conversion? And then from from these kind of two answers, you can then quite easily derive which platforms align with this or lend themselves best to meeting your objectives. And equally, that I guess that would be a suggested approach in terms of choosing platforms. When you're working with influencers, I think also just ask. You know, if you find an influencer that you think is really aligned with your brand vision, there's nothing to stop you saying, you know what, hey, we'd love to work with you. Here's our objective. You know, they might be working across multiple channels. They might have a TikTok, an Instagram account. They might be actively creating reels. And it's just best to have a really collaborative conversation and just say, you know, this is our objective. This is what we're trying to achieve. What would you recommend? Because they are the most informed about their audience and their insights. So it's likely that they'll be the the best person to tell you uh, what's going to be most effective. I love that you said that because it's so important, and I'm always saying this, collaborate with your influencers. If you find someone that you think would be amazing for a brand and they just fit every kind of box that you need, speak to them, have a collaboration, even like have a brainstorming session on the creative ideas. They know so much more about their audiences than what any marketer can ever know. I know, I agree. And I think that 
increasingly brands are working closer and closer with influencers, considering them an extension of their marketing team versus, you know, a one-time transaction post on Instagram. And if we are going to continue building these ambassador style or long-term relationships, then transparency is super key. Collaboration is key because that's the only way it's going to be effective, really. No, 100%. And I think that's like a perfect segue to my next question. I know that your agency, Agency A, does a lot of work in the ambassador space. You guys kind of specialize in that or it's one of your specialities, which is really, really interesting. I also know that the definition of an ambassador over the last couple of years has changed somewhat. Like when I remember back in the day when all, you know, influencer marketing started and ambassadors, it was kind of a celebrity on a billboard representing a brand. And we thought, well, that's the ambassador, right? If you can maybe just elaborate to us or tell us a bit more about how this actually has evolved over the years and what is an ambassador these days for brands. First and foremost, we need to understand how we define an influencer. And I guess, you know, touching on a bit what you said, some people do perceive influencers as these kind of internet celebrities or people on a billboard, but actually an influencer is a person of genuine influence. And in turn, they can then become a brand ambassador by means of having a informed, aligned um, and collaborative approach with a brand whereby both of their resources and values align. And then there's a long term partnership, you know, where they both understand the objectives and then they work together to achieve a common goal. The term influencer is often quite is bandied around. And as an agency, agency A, we prefer to refer to them as content creators because I think it sounds a little bit dismissive, but there's so much negative press around influencers. And I think if we sort of look at changing the language, we can easier it's easier to understand the value that they bring. And so but really they are all kind of the same person. I mean an influencer can be a content creator, they can also be an ambassador in industry terminology and how people use it in terms of kind of understanding the difference. So for us, an influencer is a person with genuine influence, an engaged audience and a social media profile essentially. And they can then become an ambassador by forming a long-term partnership with a brand that they're aligned with. And equally, they might also be a content creator. They might be someone who's really adept with a camera, you know, visually stunning content um, and copywriting. So I guess they are really all the same thing, but it's how you define how, how you'd like to use them or build a relationship with them. No, absolutely. And I was just going to say that it all depends on what you want to achieve with them, what you're going to call them. Mm. And I also agree that the term influence have had such bad press over the last five, six years that some people, when they hear it, just kind of roll their eyes and they want nothing to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. You'll even see, I know with you guys as well, a lot of influencers will actually ask not to be called that. They're like, I'm a content creator or I'm an ambassador or whatever it may be, they just also want that skill level of what they bring to the party to come through and not just be blanketed under a pretty reality star, perhaps, who's holding up a diet drink, you know? I completely agree, definitely. In your opinion, is an ambassador campaign or ambassador program a right fit for every single brand? No, I don't think so, because I think it depends on the brand's objectives and what they would like to achieve. They could all have ambassadors, but really an ambassador is what you make of it. They're only going to be, you know, you want an active ambassador for your brand. So if a brand would like to sell products quickly, then we'd recommend, you know, an influencer campaign where you potentially could use some internet celebrities or macro influencers with a giant reach to reach an um, X amount of people very quickly. 
to sell a product or let them know about a new update. But I think I think for brands that are invested in storytelling, which increasingly more and more brands are, then absolutely ambassadors are the right fit because incredible way to showcase personality, uh, ethos, values. Amazing. So I know you've also spoken about the difference between influencers and ambassadors and that essentially every influencer has the possibility to become an an ambassador depending on what a brand obviously wants from them. But is there a kind of a tick list that a brand can follow when they're choosing and vetting influencers to become these ambassadors for their brands? Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. Yeah, definitely. I think first and foremost, as we spoke about earlier, you know, whereby influencer marketing or ambassador marketing is a a great means of enhancing that human-to-human connection. From a brand's perspective, it's first and foremost important to define, you know, what type of personalities you'd like to work with. And I think from there, you can then search and look at kind of the key metrics. I think quite often people start with followers and engagement rates, whereas actually, I think you should start the other way around. Look for the personalities and then just understand if they're a right, essentially a cultural fit for the brand. You know, then do they hit the criteria performance-wise? Do they have the number of followers that you require? Do they have the active engagement rate? I think it was um, suggested that micro-influencers are one of the most effective ways to carry out ambassador campaigns as they have an average of 7% in terms of an engagement rate. So those are kind of key vetting methods. Personality, followers, engagement rate, and I guess also content creation skills. Um, because if you have uh, a campaign that requires great visual, you want to work with someone who can equally portray that in, in the right way. Yeah, that's so important that you say don't start looking at the follower account because I think so many brands are still hung up on that. Mm. They look through and they just see, oh, I want someone with 50,000 followers or a million followers. And you're thinking to yourself, that is so wrong because I would rather have someone who's a perfect fit personality ethos values wise mm. and they reach the right people like they they their audience is just spot on to who you want to talk to, even if that's 500 people. First, is someone with millions and they're not really a right fit. It will really confuse um, your audience, right? No, totally. And equally for the, for the influencer or ambassador themselves, they, are, they need to be selective and they need to be communicative with a brand as to whether they think their audience will respond well or or badly to the potential partnership to make sure it's an authentic one because that's where you'll see a conversion so then when we look at the responsibilities of an ambassador versus an influencer on campaigns is there really big um, differences in those i think for us we define it as an influencer marketing campaign might be an almost one-time transaction you might want to reach 1.5 million people very quickly and you could rack up a list of potentially 10 influencers that have a great reach and can share that messaging in a really slick and quick fashion but with ambassadors the activity is slightly different there's a longevity to the partnership it's more collaborative you want to find people that are really informed and aligned there's more education I think around the brand Um, and equally you know the influencer or ambassador needs to ask questions so that they completely understand what type of product or service or, or you know, storytelling that they're showcasing and sharing with their audience. 
so the activity is slightly different. It's long term. You might have monthly check-ins. There might be slightly different content requirements each month. Yeah, I think those would be the kind of key ways to, to look at the di differentiation. It's just maybe an influencer campaign might be a one-time transaction and an ambassador campaign has longevity to it. It might be three months. It might be six months. It could be a year-long partnership. Amazing. So it's really connecting your brand to the influencer's name and also their audiences and vice versa um, mm. over a long period of time. Yeah, I think. And also you have to just look at it slightly differently. If you consider the ambassador almost an extension of your marketing team, then mm. you're going to have the best, the best approach to the, to the campaign and equally the best impact. No, absolutely. So obviously those, those are huge benefits the longevity, the messaging, the education that goes on. But mm. what are some of the other benefits for brands if they do decide to go with an ambassador program for their for their brands? Like you just touched upon, there's a lot of kind of key benefits and lots of buzzwords that I could use, you know, brand, <laughs> brand awareness, things like that. But ultimately, people relate to people, both online and offline. And I think that's the real key impact. I would, you know, also mention that when we speak to brands about ambassador campaigns, it's good to highlight that it's almost a bit of a slow burner. You know, you're not going to see a result in month one. You want to build an ongoing informed partnership and potentially month two and three and four, then you'll start to see a conversion because yeah, our audience are trusting their partnership with the brand and they're keen, keen to purchase. Key benefit is just the fact that it's humanizing a brand, it's authentic and it's relatable. And that's definitely something every single brand is looking to do at the moment. Yeah, exactly. I think an active ambassador plays a really powerful part in a brand's marketing mix. And when that's an activity's, you know, launched uh, simultaneously with some epic social collateral and epic brand storytelling, then it, and then it can be a really powerful way to work. Then Ria, over the last year, I'm sure you've worked on some really great campaigns. Is there one or two that maybe stands out for you that you can tell us about? Yeah, for sure. We started working with a luxury furniture brand in January called Mode of Furnishings. They had recognized instrumental growth throughout the pandemic, as you can imagine, you know, with the increase in and <laughs> home and garden, because everyone was stuck at home, nothing else to do. So we were tasked with helping them enhance their social presence and elevating the conversions through their social channels. So one of the activities that the team devised was an ambassador program. So we have chosen, I believe, 12 uh, ambassadors that are really aligned with the brand. They're not, um, you know, some are macro influencers, some are micro influencers, and we're just looking at some nano influencers now. And these are online personalities who are all quite different, actually, who are just active in sharing their lives at home and their home interiors or garden interiors on Instagram. Essentially, we've onboarded them for a three to six month campaign, some for slightly longer and every month we set them a new challenge. They received their furniture. You know, in month one, they showcased, uh, you know, the furniture arriving and how excited they were. In month two, they showcased enjoying time in the garden. And then uh, just recently, when the rule of six was announced, they did a kind of an always on campaign where they showcased friends and family coming over for the first time in a long time, enjoying some food and drink in the garden. So I think this is definitely one of my favorite campaigns that we've launched in the last year because it's been really creative, but also the impact has been phenomenal. I think recent our recent stats were that they've reached 2.3 million people so far through these brilliant ambassadors that we've partnered with. 
That's amazing. And I absolutely love this campaign. As you were talking about it, I could actually like see it in my mind's eye. Um, it's so organic because everyone is at home and you want to make your home a little bit more luxe, a little bit more glam so that you are comfortable and happy to be in that space. No, absolutely. I think that's where it's worked so well because each ambassador has a completely different home and they have different furniture from the brand and they've just showcased their experience in, in their own unique way. I think one of them had wine and tapas night, another had friends and family over with a, you know, a roaring fire pit and glasses of wine. So it's been, it's epic to see the content because it's all so different and it's all really creative. But I think also the reason it's worked so well is because it's very relatable. These are real people enjoying their gardens, enjoying time with friends and family and their audiences can relate to the type of content they're creating. So yeah, we're, we're still going with this campaign and ho hoping that the next couple of months are equally great. I'm sure it will be. I mean, everyone has just been wanting to pimp out their gardens, their homes. And I think people have also started realizing it's actually nice to be at home and our family and friends are over. So why not kind of make it this really beautiful place for you to thrive in? So yeah, I, I mean, DIY gardening and home interior was one of the industries that did uh, really well throughout the pandemic and equally a lot of brands have jumped on that and used ambassadors to I guess capitalize would be the way to describe it but they've done some really creative projects I avidly follow uh, a brand called Licks Instagram page and they have some really cool home makeovers that they've done uh, and cool collaborations so I recommend checking out what they've done as well. No absolutely no I think Every single one of us have learned some form of skill over lockdown, whether it was to cook or bake or just kind of becoming an interior designer. Everyone's kind of done something that's really homely and it's actually really nice. Mm. What did you do? I started cooking and baking quite a lot again. So, yeah, I've, I've become, I can make amazing pies. It's a skill I didn't know I had and I just make a lot of pies. It's fantastic. Well, there you, can, you can become a fire ambassador. There we go. <laughs> Rio, what are the benefits of brands using influencer-focused agencies or specialists like yourself and like us versus brands actually trying to implement this type of campaigns in-house? Three benefits. First of all, would be expertise. You know, having a really educated head on the project would be would be helpful. I'm sure because I know a lot of brands have often have a marketing manager who has to wear a lot of different hats. Yeah. Um, the second benefit uh, would be time. I think if you work with an agency, and in one of the, I know, we, I, I often say one of the key reasons people like to work with us is because they have eight heads versus one. So we have the time in in house to support, and they can, you know, outsource it to an external agency who might be able to run a campaign a bit quicker and slicker than they might be able to themselves. And the third, uh, it would be relationships. So agencies who run active you know influencer programs or campaigns or ambassador campaigns have great relationships or they should have great relationships with a network of influencers so they are able to build on that and, and use that to the brand's benefit and then we are our last question unfortunately yeah. is can you maybe give our audience your top three tips of running an effective and impactful ambassador campaign I think my, my key tip would be to upgrade the time in the strategy. I think often when you're executing a campaign, people run a little bit too fast and start thinking about who they're going to work with, what it's going to look like before they really understand the objectives. So I would definitely ensure that you spend sufficient time devising a strategy uh, and then 
once that's complete, having a really coherent brief so that all of the ambassadors that you work with are really aligned and, and have a really good understanding of what you're trying to achieve and, and how, you know, the part that they play in that. I think that's really key. And then the second tip would be to think about ways of communication. If you want a campaign to be successful, you need to put the time into the relationship building, having that collaborative conversation with the ambassador or influencer and understanding from their perspective where they think they'll add value. An email isn't sufficient, in my opinion. You need to jump on the phone. You need to meet in person. You need to have a coffee. Something, you know, is a valuable use of time and communication, for sure, which I know has been difficult during the pandemic. And the third tip is to keep it creative and, and I guess, be a little bit open-minded to ideas. Don't necessarily, you know, you need to understand that the ambassador or the influencer isn't going to be a member of your internal team who is kind of a little bit uniform, in what the brand should and shouldn't do. This is an external personality who's going to add their own take, their own spin on things. And so you need to ensure that you're always creative and let them come up with ideas and be open-minded to them. I love that last tip especially because it is a lot of times we see these marketing teams or brand managers want to be very much in control of what the ideas should be or what their content would look like. And we're always like, no, 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 give them some guidelines, but let them play within it. It's them. They know their audiences. They're going to do amazing work. Just trust them. I know, exactly. What would your tips be? My tips? Oh, ambassadors. No, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, relationship is super key. So once you've chosen your ambassadors, definitely try and do a face-to-face. -face. Like you said, at this moment, it's probably more like Zoom calls, but really yeah. just get a feel for that chemistry as well between you and, and the ambassador and the brand. Definitely be open for those ideas. Tell them what your idea might be and kind of see how they interpret it. Mm. I think it's very important. And just keep those lines of communication open. Uh, so often we see ambassador campaigns roll out and then the marketing guys just kind of forget about them. They're just like, they'll do what they need to do over the next couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, it's like just have check-ins where they make them feel like they are part of the team because they are and they will kind of do better work if you actually have that collaboration and check in and have a chat and have brainstorms and just keep them in the loop. Yeah, I agree. I think we always think, we always say that it, a campaign is only going to be as effective as the oil you put in the engine. Yeah. The more you put in the more time, the more creativity, the better it's going to be. Yeah, and like you say, you can't just leave them to it. You know, it's a it's a collaboration at the end of the day, so it needs to be collaborative. For sure, absolutely. So, Ria, thank you so much. We've come to the end of our conversation. Um, really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your expertise with us. I'm sure everyone's learned quite a bit today about ambassadors and the difference between influencer campaigns and ambassadors and actually how to go about it. So thank you so much for that. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a huge pleasure. So before we let you go, can you maybe tell our listeners where they connect with you online so they can learn more about you and more about Agency A and about what you guys do? Yeah, of course. I upload regular cringy LinkedIn posts um, on LinkedIn. Um, so just uh, my name on LinkedIn. And equally, we share a lot of potentially less cringy behind the scenes of, of Life at Agency A on our Instagram and LinkedIn channels. Our Instagram is at Agency A LDN London. Yeah, and that's where we are. <laughs> I don't know why you say your content's cringy on LinkedIn. I follow you on LinkedIn. I love your content. I just, I, we're quite keen to showcase like little bits behind the scenes of the team. And, and obviously we've just moved into this office, so super proud. It feels a bit surreal. But as I'm typing it, I'm like, I'm sure someone's reading this. Like, 
<laughs> no, it's great content. I especially loved your little video you you uploaded the other day about you guys brainstorming something. Uh, yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, I love that so much. Yeah, we had, we had a star jump active break to just keep try and give ourselves a bit of a breather. But yeah, that, thank you. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think yeah. that, that comes back to what we said earlier, that behind the scenes, real life relatability content is amazing. You can't just, as an agent, you just share like these super professional kind of things. It's not real. Eight, you have to have eight bad ideas to have one good idea. So we're sharing the good and the bad. <laughs> Don't we know it, eh? <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Ria. But I'm sure we'll catch up with you soon and have a fantastic one. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.